0: Hello and welcome to the Tech in the Hood podcast. I'm your host, Ahmed Flex Omar. Tech in the Hood is a storytelling podcast that explores the past, present, and future of Chicago's cultural identity through conversations about community and technology. Each week, I reconnect with the friends and mentors who have shared this journey and spotlight new voices and innovators building the future of the Tech in the Hood. Welcome back to Tech in the Hood, the show that brings you all things art, business, culture, and of course, technology. Today, I got my dear friend, Jenny Vias on in the studio. Hey, Jenny, how are you? Hi, Flax. I'm well. How are you? I'm glad that we have you on in season two.
1: Likewise. I've been watching your show and I'm so stoked to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank
0: you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: I am an artist by trade, um, and a muralist, accidental muralist. We can talk about it at some point during this episode, um, prior to becoming an artist, my background is in e-commerce. So 15 years of that. And then I pivoted in my late thirties, which is a really cool story for myself and people who can hear, hopefully can get inspired by it. And then I decided to dive into artistry and really hone in on my craft and taught myself how to paint.
0: Wow. I mean, we could wait to get to midway or the end of the episode to go over that. But I think (laughs) people would want to know right away, like, how did you start painting? You said accidental?
1: I'm an accidental muralist. Artist painting, Mm -hmm. yes. Uh Honestly, like throughout life, I could always draw. I could sketch just fine. I always tell people if you can draw any Disney characters Mm -hmm. and you know, um, proportions and perspectives, I think you've Mm -hmm. got a pretty good grasp on, you know, honing into that craft. I never personally considered painting until there was this dark period I was going through right before that. I feel like there's always this moment in life when you have this, it's like the book alchemist, you have this signpost. And I had this sign signpost, emotional signpost that kept telling me to paint. And then I went through a very dark period and I could not stop thinking about painting that during that time. And it was that moment when, you know, when you're down is the time to take the risk, because how much further can you fall, right? Like you already are there in the pits. And I just decided to go down and down that route and started painting hated everything I created for the first year, cried every time I created a piece because it looked nothing like what I wanted it to. But something in me just told me I had to persevere and continue. And then I'd say about a year later, after bringing somebody else's project to life on a large scale, which was the world we want on Michigan Avenue with the success from it, I knew I was ready to kind of build my own dream. Because at that point, I was done building other people's dreams. And um, I taught myself seriously. I took it seriously, and about six months later, I was painting full time.
0: That's a, that's incredible. So you didn't go to school. No, for not that. for painting. Not for painting, but you didn't. You did go to school. What did you study? Did you study graphic my design. Yeah, my
1: education is in graphic design from UIC.
0: Got it. Got yeah. it. And then, uh, what did you do with the degree?
1: Honestly, <laughs> at the time, what drove my career trajectory was money. There wasn't a lot of money to be made. We won't talk about how old I am, but back then in graphic design, right out of college. And so, and the other unfortunate thing was UIC did not allow double major or even a minor with graphic design in art school. We were part of the art architecture school. Mm -hmm. And so I chose to, I always knew I wanted to learn business. And really I knew at some point in life I was going to build my own business. And the only way to do that was really just get that experience hands on. So I ended up taking a job for in e-commerce and my boss was smart because he was hiring a graphic designer because he knew the creative skills were needed in e-commerce to think creatively in business, and it was just a brilliant move on his end, and for me to take it, it was a major pay cut, because the job, it was an entry-level position that barely paid anything, sat down with my brother, who I make a lot of life decisions with, and it was, you know, we, we knew what, what, what I wanted to do, if I wanted to get into business and not go to business school, that yeah. was it, this was the way to do it, and I did it, and it was the best decision I ever made.
0: So, e-commerce is obviously tech, right? It's all tech. So... Did you ever think you would be in the tech world?
1: No, I, n- I honestly never did. I was in a B2B business model, mm-hmm. and I was responsible for bringing our B2B business online, which is completely commission-driven. So my first channel of audience was the sales agents, not the customer, customer. Mm. and customer. That was a whole different mindset to really become the voice of the brand and the voice of the business. Um, it was Lawson products by the way, which is a large MRO company, which is nuts and bolts and drill bits. Very, very sexy product line Yeah, and, um, hydraulic presses. I mean, it just was fascinating for me. I stayed there for five years, um, and just learned how to build an e-commerce business from the ground up with like legacy systems. And it was just, yeah, it's something I did not even anticipate that I would get into and just working with the IT team and leading that part of the process, it was like amazing, honestly.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So did you pick up certificates on the, on, during Some that certificates, time? Some certificates,
1: yes. Yeah. I did a mini MBA program at um, Loyola. So that was my um, entry into mm. the um, master's program.
0: Yeah, So, ram- <laughs> rambler, huh? <laughs>
1: yeah, you yeah.
0: Got you got, you got. you got in.
1: Yes, I am, and I'm part of the alumni weekend coming up. I'm really excited to participate in that and contribute back to that community.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And because uh,
1: that that MBA actually played a pretty big role in the future of my like my career.
0: Yeah. Let's let's talk about that. Was was that in uh, downtown in Chicago or? Yes, were, it was the downtown. Yes, yeah. they
1: had a ten week program. Okay. At the time, and um, it was beautiful, and it just kind of gave you a snapshot of a full mba program it was mm-hmm. for executives mm-hmm. and so uh, my company was sponsoring that and uh, my colleague and i were chosen to take part you That's know to, to do that program
0: That's really cool. which we were very
1: fortunate that my boss was able to you know champion that for us and then when that actually when that job ended yeah well i quit and then i was looking because at that point i had reached my ceiling for growth there i really wanted to get into b2c and really Specifically, I wanted retail experience because just learning how to sell products to the end customer was just not, I knew it was not going to to be an easy Mm -hmm. um, game, but this is how life works. When you set intentions, you know, just be ready because it happens. And my recruiter at the time wasn't even specializing in retail or fashion or clothing. And he asked me, what was my dream job? And I told him I wanted to learn how to sell clothes to the end product and, to, and, and customer, end user. And turns out Oprah was opening an Oprah store <laughs> with a clothing line and accessories line. And I was brought on by my Hold team.
0: Hold up, Oprah Winfrey? Yes, Just, making, Winfrey. just making sure I got she that. She was
1: my boss for four years. The best thing I've ever, ever had for my career apart from becoming an artist, like no joke. Um, it's an incredible experience. I was brought on to launch uh, the Oprah store online. So I had an e-commerce there for four years.
0: That's so cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, we had a beautiful team. I
0: well, what, what was she selling on that store?
1: Oh, we had, um, actual product line, uh, just loungewear. It's yeah. basically it was Oprah's lifestyle outside of work,
0: very which cool. she's very, very chill. Yeah. Um,
1: she's very down to earth. And so everything that loungewear t-shirts, like stuff that she likes to hang out in, not Spanx, you know, <laughs> And not those dresses. And, um, and then we also had an entire product line dedicated to the women, uh, to the girls' school that she had in Africa.
0: it's so, so yeah. awesome.
1: And then we had an Oprah's Closet, gently oh. worn items by Oprah.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, e- I mean, obviously, e-commerce, we're getting customers from other countries, or was it main, mainly It was mainly US? here. Believe it
1: or not, okay. the direct um, audience was her fan base. Uh-huh. However because we were the Oprah store and so many people sell such bootleg product line around, around her name. I had the hardest time proving that we were authentically owned by Oprah. (laughs) Like we had such a hard time.
0: That's really, that's really cool. That was amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I got to present to her at my very, very first, so
0: tell us what was What was it like the first time meeting her oh
1: my god she's larger than life honestly um she walks in you can feel it's palpable and i walked in not so much a fan of the show which was actually a really wonderful place to walk in because i walked in with no biases and then i left a massive fan of her work ethic of her spirit to give back i mean there's just you know it's just yeah it was lovely to work with her um she's the boss she knows what she's doing and as a woman who mm-hmm. was aspiring to be an entrepreneur. I don't think I could have been more inspired by someone on that
0: level. That's just awesome.
1: very generous.
0: That's awesome. What a, what a great story and what a yeah. great journey.
1: I have like one of my favorite photos with her where she's grabbed me in a, in a group photo and she's pulled me and she's like, Jenny, come here. It was like one of my favorite moments.
0: Oh, we, <laughs> we might have to add that to one of our oh, social yeah. media reels. Yeah, 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 I'll send you the <laughs> photo.
1: I still have it. It's framed.
0: It's that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. So the, uh, artist, you know, and you are still calling out, right. Yeah. And, um, you made that transition, you said after, you know, a heartbreak. Yes. You want to talk about that? Or?
1: Yeah. I mean, I always tell people that there's this calling within you. We all are meant to do something and we're all on a journey to seek our legacy, right? Like we want to, we wonder what our legacy will be. And in the end. That calling is really knocking at your door on so many different parts of your life. I believe it was Steve Jobs who said, the dots connect backwards in life. Sure. So if you think about all the, the decisions that you made in life, this calling will come knocking at your door at multiple different signposts, through multiple different signposts in life. And for me, the through line throughout my life story in my career was there was some component in that I wanted to bring to life with sto- through storytelling. Mm-hmm. And for me, even becoming an artist was, I didn't want to just paint. I wanted to just tell stories and the imagination and the storytelling part of it is such a huge part of my work. Um, yes, it came from a dark period, um, which is honestly like the summarized version of it at this point, which is wonderful, but it did come from heartbreak and during that period in grief, when I was healing my heart, from this major heartbreak that it was unexpected for me. Mm -hmm. And I kind of dove deep into regression therapy about understanding the patterns I had repeated to end up there, because this was not new. When your heart breaks on that level where you feel your world is coming apart completely, you come undone that moment kind of real reminds you that, Hey, I've been here before on a smaller scale, maybe. But it's, I can either fall apart completely right now and really understand what led me here or continue and not heal 100% and move on and repeat that pattern. I, I was done rinse and repeating at that point. And yeah, and all I could think about was painting. I really like, it was just, it was in my bones. Like I could just feel it. It was in my soul.
0: That is really inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, and then so, so do you hurt? You hated your initial artwork.
1: Oh my god, it was terrible. What I were, think I still you, have some of the pieces. Um, what were you painting? Oh my god, the very first piece was this liminal dream that I have. Uh-huh. It's a recurring dream. Every time I go through a transition,
0: yeah,
1: I have this, which I still haven't painted, by the way. Sure. Um, I don't know how to swim, just like most Indians. <laughs>
0: but, is, that, is that a stereotype?
1: Uh, I, yeah, I think most Indians don't know how to swim unless right. you grew up in America. I grew up in India.
0: Okay. not that,
1: It's not the lack of my dad trying, <laughs>
0: yeah. my dad okay. tried.
1: I just did not want to do it because not, I not didn't a, not,
0: wanna, a, not an interest.
1: Yeah. It was no, no, no. I just didn't want to put on a bathing suit because okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was so skinny and my girlfriends were very, you know, in doubt, <laughs> literally that's the reason I can't even sugarcoat this reason, but I didn't learn how to swim and. I have this recurring dream every time I go through a transition that I'm mm-hmm. drowning and I teach myself how to swim in the dream because I can um, lose a dream. And in the dream, I teach myself how to swim. I surface and I wanted to capture that in my very first painting. Think about it. Like I don't know how to paint and I'm thinking about this very deep storytelling piece. And it was horrible. It was horrible. I just sat there and I stared at it. I'm like, what is this? My anatomy was off. It was terrible. Even my sister, my cousin who was with me, we were on vacation in Cayman Islands. And she just laughed. We still laugh about it. <laughs> She's like, do you remember that piece? <laughs> so, but I did it, I did it for about 30 days. And the, the braver thing <laughs> was mm-hmm. sharing it on Instagram. Cause Hey, everybody was doing it. Sure. This was in 2012 or 2013, I believe. And then I decided to step back and really just paint in, um, silence, paint in, um, solitude and teach myself without the pressure of sharing with the world or the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Or the, the, the need for accolades or appreciation from audi- from an audience, which yeah. clearly my work wasn't ready for. And that I think was the best thing I could have done for myself.
0: No, absolutely, and as a new um, creator, yeah, no, abs- right? absolutely, and you and I recently uh, yeah. went to an event uh, for Andrew Huberman. Yes, yeah, yes, the Huberman uh, Lab,
1: Huberman Lab
0: pod- a podcast, and uh, yes. I never thought I would sit in a lecture hall with <laughs> a
1: paid lecture, <laughs> a
0: paid lecture. We bought tickets for <laughs> so many, you know, people. But I mean, he's obviously incredible, you know, right? Brilliant, and yeah. you know, we talked a little bit about what you were just you know yeah about- i mean i
1: think like yeah i think diving into something
0: mm-hmm.
1: that you're not ready to share with the world is a disservice to your gift mm-hmm. i think i always encourage friends and artists emerging artists who want to just start sharing too early because yeah. what happens is you start criticizing that work until you are i always say you better become a fan of your own work before you share it with the world i am the biggest fan of my work until i am happy with the piece i won't share it and I was doing that. And so once I learned that practice, I think it was such a beautiful journey after that, because when I did start sharing work, it was ready. The world was ready. You could mm-hmm. see the love I poured into it.
0: Yeah. And then also you create mystery yeah. and anticipation. Right, right. So people were ready to receive it at that point. Yeah, it, I'm working on a new point. collection
1: emotionally yeah. right now, because for me, it's an emotional process first, and sure. then comes the next step. And I think it's going to be very, very stunning work that's going to come out in the next year.
0: Oh, no, that's really cool. I mean, it's really interesting, you know, the way you talk about, you know, your creative, you know, pro, uh, process. So for me, even with uh, the podcast yeah. with Tuck in the Hood, I yeah. had the logo, landing page, domain, all of that for a few years before I even started it. the pot, uh, the the podcast. And you know, I was I
1: had my artist signature before I started painting.
0: <laughs> there you go. So. It's timing, right? Yeah. I mean, when it feels right, it feels right. And I was, uh, you know, transitioning yeah. and leaving the non for profit world. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I have to tell, you know, my uh, my story. But then, at the same time, I also love building, you know, community, yeah. right? So it's like what podcast thing mm-hmm. let's, let's do it because that's what I, I was doing with Mala anyways w- yeah. in terms of uh, story storytelling so that's it worked it worked out great and I didn't care how people are were gonna receive it because mm-hmm. I knew uh, the stories we're gonna tell are yeah. really good you know stories so it just it just worked it just worked out you know so I'm very grateful obviously to people like yourself that been super supportive you know from the from from the start you know because one of the things I always like to do is um when I'm ready to Mm -hmm. launch uh, a product a project whatever it is Mm -hmm. I have a uh, committee so I call it an advisory board Mm -hmm. but you know give it give it a fancy name depending on the you know uh, project and you're part of that crew you know so anytime right. anytime i posted anything i shared you shared it and you know so thank you for that oh, I mean, you were really really helpful I think, with yeah i mean getting I us was, those early views
1: absolutely i think like tim ferris i think posted something just day before yesterday about yeah. if you are going to start a new business pick a category that is not mastered mm-hmm. because tapping into something that's already being mastered by someone yeah. it's going to be hard for you to kind of get noticed in that, which is what I like about your podcast because it's so different and it's a, an area that hasn't been talked about, which I really love, not on the level that you are at least, because mm. you're bringing such a deep, vulnerable aspect to it, which is such a core tenet of everything that I do in my work.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I call myself a creative person, right. but I can't draw a straight line. It's fine. I,
1: I, you do not it's need right. to draw. It's all right. You do it's not right. need to draw I can color. Paint. Yeah.
0: Coloring has been very therapeutic. I
1: think creativity is on so many levels. I want to write a book one day, right? I think that's creative. Writers are creative. Poets are creative. Dancers are creative. So whenever I talk about any little bit of a writer in me that comes out once in a while in my posts, in my musings, I call them Zen Zen musings.
0: Um,
1: And in there I talk about, when I say creators, I always mention all types of creators. It's not just artists because otherwise we wouldn't even exist as humans, right? for storytellers sh- for
0: sure no i think that's a brilliant way to look at it and oh. for me i'm really good at helping people discover uh, love their gifts you. Absolutely you know, so, love and me.
1: so thank you for that
0: yeah thank you i mean it's uh it's it's always inspiring when you see someone reach their you know full potential mm-hmm. it doesn't always you know uh, work out and sometimes people are not ready to receive the information and the messages, you know, but at times, you know, people come back uh, to my life years later and they say, thank you. Right. You know, so yeah. that's that's the toughest. <clears throat> that's a, that's the toughest, you know, part. And so actually one of the reasons why I started my non-for-profit yeah. uh, NGO, I just felt like we were getting more and more divided as a society I know, and especially in America. And personally being a survivor of genocide and civil war, I've seen this play out, you know, before Yeah, and I was like, I got to do, I got to do my part, you know? So, and storytelling just made so much sense. And yeah. a lot of the inspiration came from humans of New York it was so simple,
1: Which I love, yeah. it
0: was so simple, Such a beautiful, it was just an yeah. image and a short piece on Facebook.
1: You know, he got fired and then started that.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. That's he, got interesting. Fired and he
1: said, that's it. I don't want to look for a job anymore. I'm just going to try to do. You know he does calling
0: yeah I and mean, i don't know
1: if everybody's given to fire at least once in life i have i'm still friends with all my yeah. peers and my boss especially her and i reconnected six years later and it was the most heartfelt conversation because i was not the best employee and she wasn't the best boss but we are in such a great place
0: it happened to me too and sometimes yeah. it's the best thing that can it happen literally to you. was the best thing that could yeah, happen
1: because that fell apart and yeah. then my engagement fell apart and then i started painting if those two things had not mm. happened i really don't know if i would have painted it's
0: it. almost like a cosmic force yeah yeah
1: but I, th- I think that's what i truly believe i'm such a spiritual person when it comes to your calling yeah. i really think that the universe at some point is going to inter- intervene sure the longer you avoid the calling especially when you're meant to do certain things in life the universe at some point is going to intervene and really it's going to come crashing down and it's your job to heed that calling and really look at that sign and say okay that's it i'm going to go for it i mean that the signs for me that year were massive in articles and posts and suddenly all these artists started showing up on my instagram feed i mean it was just everything that could have aligned started aligning Yeah, I I could literally no longer your community found you. It was so loud. Like I could not, could no longer ignore that noise. I could not, it was so loud.
0: That's really cool. So what are your mediums?
1: My medium, my favorite medium is Mm -hmm. acrylic. Ah, Yeah, I, it's, I would love to paint in oil. I don't have the patience. (laughs) I would love to, I don't have the discipline. Uh, I truly admire oil artists, but acrylic just gives me very instant gratification. So, uh, especially because I have such deep stories that I want to tell. And so I need to Mm -hmm. see that piece dry up fairly quickly because it's, my work is so layered, emotionally so layered. Um, and then I've actually in the last three years really mastered alcohol ink on a whole different level than Mm -hmm. most artists do. My trick is pour the whole bottle. Most artists put drops. I pour the whole bottle. And it's my favorite thing. Because one day I, I was experimenting with it for three years. And one day I just dumped the whole bottle. And I was like, that's it. That's my thing. <laughs> so
0: Any particular one?
1: <laughs> uh, I actually love Jacquard, I think. That's okay. how you say the brand. I um, sure. love the brand. Um, absolutely brilliant ink.
0: That's really cool. And so you do a lot of work also around women's empowerment. Yes. And you see it in your uh pieces mm-hmm. the other thing that we also see in your artwork is dance
1: yes
0: so you want to talk a little bit about that
1: so i grew up studying classical dancing in india uh-huh. i just uh, did not pursue it as much because there was a lot of favoritism unfortunately that just happens with teachers and it left a sour taste in my mouth but i am a good dancer i was able to kind of play with that a, a lot more once i moved to america and we would host youth programs from the temple um which is where we partied kids (laughs) we went to the temple in the youth program (laughs) because all the boys came um but we also raised money for the temple and we choreographed a lot of dances and i was able to really kind of go back to that you know love for dancing which i really think i'm going to revive i've been thinking about it a lot more again um, and study little more classical dancing and this time for fun and not because you're supposed to as a child yeah i think that was the mistake that a lot of parents make um yes while you're equipping your child with all the um opportunities really that pressure that comes with it was really exhausting for me mm. i really just wanted to tap dip you know dip my feet into it and not feel the pressure of, cause classical dancing in India is not simple. It's seven years of actual dedicated practice to graduate from the program. And I just didn't have the patience for it. And after about three years I quit, um, but it gave me the foundation for it. And so that's why um, it does come into a lot of my work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't done a lot of Indian dancing, painting, paintings that you know bring that in, but ballet, I'm obsessed with ballet yeah. And um that always comes in, the body type. You
0: you and Arnold Schwarzenegger.
1: Right? Uh, probably does he really?
0: Yeah. Oh I had No, to he, he trained in ballet so he can uh um, oh that makes sense. Perform, you know, better for his uh, bodybuilding.
1: Actually that's that makes yeah. sense because a lot of like I've heard football players sometimes actually do some footwork, which is fascinating.
0: Oh, it's all footwork. Yeah. It's all footwork. Like yeah. dancing
1: footwork. But yeah, I uh, I I particularly love the body language from ballet because the discipline to really work on your body on that level and yeah. then capturing those emotions. So anytime I want to paint something, the emotions are so, I get pretty fixated on a singular emotion. Sure. So if I cannot move on from it, I've been sketching a piece for a commission. I'm not joking for a month and a half because I want this very specific emotion on the face. And ballet captures a lot of those for me, and which is why I kind of just have to I revert to that.
0: Have you ever done anything with a ballet company?
1: Not yet. I would love to work with Geoffrey Ballet. I haven't really right. reached out to them yet. We um, go
0: and tag them.
1: Yeah, because I really, I have this vision of creating these pieces that kind of come to life with them. But yeah, I would love to, love to.
0: How much do you know about the Geoffrey Ballet?
1: Not enough, apparently.
0: What do you know? Based on the
1: expression on your face. What do you
0: know? <laughs> what do you know about the founder?
1: I don't know anything about the founder, actually.
0: Do you know that he's uh, Afghan?
1: Oh, I did not know that.
0: Yeah. He had a very Muslim Afghan name.
1: I had no idea. Wow, what is his Incredible name?
0: Incredible story. I can't remember the name right now. Oh, okay. But you know okay. what? Since we got internet in this studio, I'll tell you who Robert Joffrey's. Um, That's name amazing. Is. Yeah, you know, I, just I will ho- always I just, have. I just hope I don't butcher it on on air, but gotta let gotta let you know because this is this is deep. His. Actual name is before he changes it is Anwar Bey Abdullah Jaffa Khan.
1: That is amazing. So Just f- Anwar,
0: it's incredible because and he so he's a he's a Khan, right? And when I would host Khan
1: meaning K H A N
0: K H A N, yeah, right? not C O N, not C O N. He's not <laughs> Shadow Khan. Yeah, so, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, when I would uh, teach uh, classes, you know, to, you know, people around Mala for arts and culture and so on, I'd bring up his image and people are like, wait, what? He was born. I
1: had no idea. This is so amazing to hear.
0: an Afghan family, I was shocked.
1: And that makes so much sense for the love that I have for ballet now, because Mm -hmm. especially Joffrey Ballet, Mm -hmm. Um, I, like I said, I really, really believe in the universe. Putting out signs so the fact that i've been wanting to work with them for so long yeah um i you know you've been to my solo shows i will always have a live performance there and i've done at least i've had three ballet dancers last one i had a cellist but i love sharing the stage with artists and um having dancers is like such a such a beautiful part of my work
0: yeah. I mean, you're really supportive of your artists, uh, friends. I would see you promoting, you know, yeah. their work, but that's, that's awesome. Especially that's cause Garner,
1: I foster such a beautiful community of supporters who attend my shows and just sharing that opportunity for other artists to share their craft and their passion. I think it's such a gift and it's a very self-serving altruism move on my end trust me i feel very amazing with it (laughs) so uh, but that's fine i mean (laughs)
0: bring bring it back to heberman right yeah said do things that bring you delights
1: exactly right and And then then all the other things will fall in place right it's just like you connect you love connecting people right which is such a beautiful like move and like um gift that you have
0: and, um, my, my algorithm peers. has been getting better it's not it's well, not
1: i know <laughs> i don't always get I'm it right excited I'm, to i don't write,
0: always get it right but. i'm
1: excited to write those coattails yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs>
0: maybe, maybe i'll attach a one sheet in the introduction i know i know
1: we should have a press release just for that <laughs> ex-
0: ex- exactly terms and conditions <laughs> Those are so much fun to write. Um, But now that we're venturing into terms and conditions, you know, we might as well talk about AI. Yeah. Oh my God. What
1: are your,
0: what are your feelings?
1: Honestly, um, I do not like it when people are actually selling AI as art. Mm. Because as an artist, I absolutely love the love and the labor that goes into a painting. However, I can see value in it for the first time as a person who likes to sketch my workout ahead of time. And I have such a hard time concept conceptualizing some pieces that unless I did an actual photo shoot for the whole thing, which also means that I would need to storyboard the whole painting ahead of time, which I don't like to do. Um, I like to leave at least 75% of the piece to come to life on its own. So that initial emotion, it's so hard for me to capture, unless I have a live model. So AI, I can see myself using AI moving forward just to attempt to kind of test it out. So for my attempts, I've been very, very.
0: I think that's brilliant for story, for storyboarding. Yeah, for storyboarding,
1: I I can see a lot of value.
0: I do, I do storyboarding. um, And actually it's funny, the reason why I started doing that is in one Mm -hmm. of my classes at Northwestern at the School of uh, Engineering, we started learning about design, you know, thinking Mm -hmm. and, building human centered, you know, organizations. So you're building a product for an end user for a human being, yeah. you know, you do the storyboarding, Yeah. you know, wh- wh- how, how, the interaction would be and so on. And I can't draw. Yeah. So for me, it was, it was, it was challenging. But now, you know, with AI, you can, you can use you can use that. So, so I, I'm going I, to
1: start playing with it right. because um, great art in my opinion, needs to be storyboarded first, because Mm. I don't think artists don't realize, emerging artists, that would be my piece of advice to them too, work on your story before you start painting, have some kind of a concept in mind. Because trust me, that first year that I painted without concepts (laughs) was very, very painful. Um, And so now I do take the time to really figure out. The
0: narrative is important, right? Oh, it's
1: so, so important. It's not
0: just the art, it's the narrative. No, people
1: don't fall in love with just the art piece. Mm -hmm. People fall in love with the story behind it. And if they've been following an artist, they are literally buying the story that the artist is sharing and the the artist's journey. They're buying into that. It's not just the painting. Of course, there are going to be collectors who just fall in love with the piece instantly and buy it. But true collectors that have studied an artist's art work, I call it heart work with capital A-R-T,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: they know the love that I put in it. And that doesn't come unless you have a narrative.
0: Absolutely. So sticking with yeah. uh, technology, yeah. um, I've seen you work through your iPad.
1: Yes. Do
0: you Oh my do God, you sketch, I am such a graphic
1: with... designer still by trade. <laughs> I learned Photoshop in 1995 when Photoshop was just starting to kind of you know, come to life for creators. And so I've been doing it. I still to this day, all of my concepts come through Procreate, very little through Procreate, mostly through Photoshop.
0: So did I, I had the bootleg. So Adobe don't sue me.
1: I did it. Like I literally (laughs) in community college, we had computers that had it, which was such a great thing. And then I went to UIC and at the time we had to reserve the computers (laughs) because like we couldn't afford MacBooks.
0: That was a different time. Not that
1: you can afford MacBooks today, but you know, you just make money for it. You just <laughs> make it happen.
0: They're expensive, but... They're
1: so expensive, but they're worth it, right?
0: Yeah, I love Apple products. It's you my know, favorite. My
1: MacBook it. is my prized possession.
0: Yeah, Apple, Apple, Apple products are dope, except I'm only recently an iPhone guy. And when I started my tech company, I was like, I need to get into the mind of an iPhone user. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know, you guys yeah. You guys ruined my the, chat messages with your green bubbles. Uh,
0: the amount of <laughs> jokes that I would get from people about using an Android phone. I mean, I thought I was a foreigner. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah this I mean, is true. I have an Android phone and my, I'm true. a U.S. citizen now. But it's funny is I had those uh, Samsung phones. hmm and those Samsung uh, phones at the time were the note and it was a note two. Yeah. So at that time, there was not even any big phone. So when people would see my phone and were like, Oh, hey, you got you got your TV yeah. with you today?
1: <laughs> now so, now it's just so big.
0: Now it's like, yeah, so the bigger but, the phone. But the here's better. the thing. When Apple introduced their big phone, People didn't blink twice. Like it was as if it was all right. Oh, a hundred percent. And all those jokes went. So I was like, I got to get into the mind of that. It's a cult. It's a church
1: it's a church it's a this church is true. It's a yeah steve steve i do love it, but i will say it's <laughs> yeah. so seamless The ui for me is so simple
0: i think that's i think that's key yeah you know and it's so intuitive i love that i love, the, I love yeah. that you know part and, and they put a lot of thought right you know into that like how do how do we simplify things and how to yeah you know and make as a designer yeah. for
1: me because i consider myself a designer as well which is sure. what always in my bio it's designer artist designer yeah muralist and then scorpio <laughs> but um, the designer part of me, like I love that everything sinks in one place for me. I need that.
0: So when say you say designer, have you messed around with fashion design?
1: A little bit. All um, right, that is my big. But it's
0: interesting too because also your artwork has a lot of fashion yes, dim- yes. Uh, d- uh, dimensions. And I, I mean, I if noticed- you follow my
1: Instagram stories, I'm always sharing fashion shows. I'm obsessed for, with Alexander McQueen for example.
0: Yeah. I would say if rest, I ever launched rest, a line rest, rest, it's going to rest, be wearable. Rest in peace, Where legend. Will, yeah.
1: yeah. Wearable Alexander McQueen line.
0: Have you watched the documentary?
1: Yes. Amazing. Obser- what a, yeah.
0: What of an incredible, you know, mind. So
1: Yeah.
0: Tell you a story. Growing up in, in Abu Dhabi in uh, United Arab Emirates, I would always go uh, shopping with my mom and aunts mm-hmm. and You know, so you'd go to the old, you know, markets, which called the souk. And and there you would uh, go and purchase a fabric and literally pick out, you know, what you want. And it was fabric from all over the world, you know. Uh And then you take it to a tailor and they'll customize it and design it, you know, for you however, you know, you want it. And it was not that, it was not that, you know, expensive. Yeah, ex, expen- uh, mm-hmm. expensive. So sometimes, you know, you look at certain things, you know, and growing up over there, see a lot of it is shocking. American shows or, you know, so we'd get all these different brands that would come in and even British shops, like, so all these off the rack stuff. And my mom's looking at me like, why, why, why are you grabbing the stuff off the rack? We're, we're gonna do we're, we're gonna get we're gonna get you something nicer. And I'm like, No, yeah, I don't want it. I, I want one I want but I appreciate it now. We're
1: buying we're buying into the story. It's the narrative. Buying, it's, it's,
0: the, n- storytelling. It's, it's, it's the it's the narrative. Great you know? design
1: I, has a story behind yeah. it, right? It's no. not you're not really people who are wearing
0: and if, Alexander and it's McQueen 50, are 50, just
1: wearing the, a black.
0: And it's fifty years yeah. of hip hop, you yeah. know, so for exactly. me it was yeah. like, Oh yeah, I want yeah. I want the FUBU. Yeah. For us by oh, yeah, for, right. for, yeah. for us by us. And another cool story is I actually met Jay Alexander. You did? So the founder of you uh. know uh, Fubu, one yeah. of the one of the four, even went to a fashion show that he was a judge at, and even had dinner with him. Incredible, brilliant, brilliant. You know, mind. Do you know who was their first investor? Who? Samsung.
1: Were they really going
0: back to them? Androids. Wow.
1: Uh, hey, yeah. my brother is a <laughs> diehard Samsung fan. He's yeah. a developer, though, so it's a whole different, Yeah. You know. So I will say in that tech space, Samsung and Google for do sure, not for beat.
0: For sure. So because yeah. uh, Samsung, you got open source, right? Yeah. And it's you have a, that entire open source community yeah. that's adding. Yeah. Right. With uh, Apple, it's a closed, it's, you know, network with, yeah. with iOS. And like when we
1: were at Harpo, we weren't allowed to have <laughs> I- iPhones. We had to have Blackberries at the time. Oh
0: blackberries. I miss the
1: blackberries so much. Have, you,
0: the- have you seen the recent Blackberry phone? No. So
1: Does it have the keyboard? I do not it's, want the it's, digital it's a, story,
0: it's a story of how Blackberry started. We gotta have a we this is okay. what all right, this is what we're gonna do. Okay. We're gonna have a tech in the hood <laughs> movie night. <laughs> I
1: love this. And we're
0: gonna show the Blackberry. That sounds you know, great. Film. That sounds great. Perfect. That's perfect movie. I
1: do miss the Blackberry so much.
0: That, so I went from Blackberry to Android. I didn't Go to the I did too. you know I- I did iphone too. I, yeah. didn't,
1: I mean i didn't go into iphones because it was i mean the price was exorbitant at the time it just didn't make sense yeah i wasn't an artist yet i wasn't in the design space yet i always had a blackberry from work and so my work phone was samsung at the time and uh i just hate carrying multiple phones i don't know how people do it i just don't know how people do it so if i had a work phone that was my main phone
0: <laughs> no i hear, no i hear you so i was in um visiting Stanford because I was thinking of getting my um, MBA Mm -hmm. at at some point, you know, like
1: who hasn't, right?
0: Normally human beings are like, "Uh, you know, I might, what if this entrepreneurship thing does not work Mm -hmm. out? Maybe I go back and do uh, my master's. So it was also part vacations because I would visit these schools in different cities on a Thursday (laughs) when it was the you know, party night, everybody knows what that hashtag is. Right. So that being said in Stanford, actually, uh, when I was visiting, I was there for an entire week because a good friend of mine that went to Loyola mm-hmm. was going to medical school okay. over there. So he's, he had some nice, you know, digs. And right, yeah. so I crashed there and literally like, you can take a free bus and Sand Hill road, go talk to VCs and so on. So that was a really cool experience. But some of the classes that I sat in were run um into, uh, the people that were teaching the professors were actual vcs in real life oh, so wow. one of the scenarios when yeah, they, they yeah. played was android versus ios and it probably was the coolest you know lecture you know experience i did not end up going to stanford right because when i was there i found out about these two professors that founded an e-learning uh platform which is really big right now, called Coursera. Oh yeah. And they had one class and they were wow. testing it out on Stanford students and it was called startup engineering. So they literally taught you how to build a Bitcoin website from scratch. That's amazing. And gave you access to AWS and so on. Like I did I, I, I was a computer science major at some point mm-hmm. before I switched in accounting. And so I had a little bit of, you know, sure. gap about, you know, with, uh, with technology and, and so on. So that one class in Coursera taught me so much. And I shared it with some of my friends sure. that were developers and are like, dude, this is incredible. Like, Something that you learn over four years. And so from there, I, I was like, I'm not going to get my master's. I'm just going to reinvent myself every couple of years right? and design my own, you know, MBA. Nice. so every couple of years you know that's, that's what i do you know so right now taking obviously a lot of uh ai related uh classes you right. know finishing up a specialization with ibm on oh, nice. applied um intelligence so i can build you any bot you want
1: i love it yeah that might be that it. might
0: be my next t-shirt so getting all these ibm badges but um it's, it's, you know, technology is, you know, constantly evolving, uh-huh. you know, so when I'm talking to people, tell them don't, 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 don't freak out. You know, what really matters is relationships yeah. and those, you know, uh, soft skills. And I feel like we're losing that yeah quite a bit. Yeah. And that's why a setting like this, a podcast, I've, I learned so much. I mean, it could be somebody that I've known for 10 years, uh-huh. just having them here. I learned, I learned so much. I get... I got I got new business just mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. you know the podcast. It's just so natural, but it's also so human. Yeah, so that, and that's the human element that we're constantly you know missing. And I think the pandemic really taught us a very important you know lesson, and we shouldn't forget that. But that's why I love you know art. So thank you for enjoying the rant. But <laughs> my next question <laughs> you is sharing. your artwork. Mm-hmm during that period, during that, you know, pandemic, was there a shift?
1: Yes, I think, um, there was that natural anguish and fears of where the world was going, where my next paycheck was coming from, right? Essentially, because you're an entrepreneur and art was not on people's mind at the time or so I thought, mm-hmm. um, because it's just the first sense that I, you, I, you walked into that space with apprehension as an artist that when people are thinking of survival and not making enough money. This is a luxury brand, like what I have, the kind of prices I charge, for example. It was not going to be something that people were going to think about. However, believe it or not, the pandemic was literally the best financial year for me because people tapped into that world. People wanted stories, people wanted vulnerability, people wanted narratives that they could connect with people wanted to get feel human again. I think it was just this incredibly beautiful shift for artists who were successfully establishing their brand the way I was, because I'm so my, my brand is very much developed in the tech space. I have my own website. I do my own prints. I literally build everything myself because I have a very specific vision for everything I was able to just really lock that in and just paint for the sake of painting. And it took me back home essentially is what I say to just create work for the sake of creating art, for the sake of creating art and the word for that year. I always have a new word for every new season, which usually starts during Scorpio season for me, which is around October that year's word was grit for me. And so I created work around that space and it was just probably some of the best work I've
0: produced. I love that. And you're also podcasting on Instagram. I
1: was, and I have a vision for it. I'm yeah. bringing it to life with, hopefully with, soon. With
0: your friend from the Simple Good, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, so shout I to a few episodes. Good. It's called The Heartwork Talk, mm-hmm. with capital A-R-T again. And that is the heart behind the art and the stories of creators that you don't get to hear otherwise. It's that deep dive into the psychological makeup of the artist and the work that comes to life. And there's so much more to it. And that's, that's the passion and it got such wonderful feedback during that period. It was a yeah. test run. And so I want to actually produce it uh, on a full scale, which I'll be talking to you about,
0: all right, to all, it, right, yeah, all right. I want to
1: bring it to life on YouTube and then hopefully pitch it to Netflix. Cause I think there's such, such joy and delight, like Andrew delight. says, delight in sharing stories from other people.
0: Yeah, speaking about Mr. Delight, Mr. Huberman, how's your morning routine?
1: So my morning routine, it's a very specific (laughs) routine. Um, I used to be a night owl. Actually, Huberman did a podcast episode on the circadian rhythm. Right. And we all, at some point, have to surrender to it. Like There's no choice. The sooner you surrender to it the better your life is it's going to be. It's so
0: hard when you're traveling, though.
1: Oh, it is brutal. It is so brutal. I can't even imagine. Um, mine is completely disrupted right now from the travels mm-hmm. th- from last month. But um, typically my morning starts with around 6.30 a.m. Um, and a cup of tea, Indian tea, I make my with my mom's spices, which I love. And then I need the first hour to be quiet. I don't like to talk to people. I don't like to have my phone on. Um, I either start with a book or a podcast that I love. Um, I think you, Burn talks about it too. And I could relate yeah. to that where learning gives me so much joy, so much. Like excitement. I have to start my mornings with learning something new. And so I will find something that I listen to, including your podcast, believe it or not, you don't believe me that I listen to it. I do. That's awesome. Um, yeah. You know,
0: you know what? That's the best plug,
1: right? No, I, I'm serious because I like that morning hour to be mine. And that is my own hour. Um, Summer times it's on my balcony with the sunlight on me in a bikini or <laughs> and get tan and I listen to that or yeah, your went, place has
0: got a great view,
1: right? And it's very quiet, mm-hmm. which I love, yeah,
0: it's very serene. Yeah. And but it also you, the interior decorating, too.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's very boho. a lot of
0: plants, and you know. So
1: it's very feng shui, it's very mm-hmm. Zen Zhen, is what I call it. Um. And that's how I start my day. I don't like points of resistance is my thing. I don't, yeah, right. points of resistance in my mornings, I have to eliminate those.
0: For and sure. No, I could totally relate to that. And my yeah. best days is when I just start off with a couple of TED Talks.
1: Right. You know? Yeah, I listened to Elizabeth Gilbert's uh, TED Talk this morning.
0: There you go. Yeah. So it's just that mindset. This is probably
1: the 10th time I've heard it. Yes. <laughs> <I guess.
0: laughs> <laughs> that mindset. Um you know what's funny is I actually wrote a uh, piece, it's on Medium, about uh, my morning oh, I uh, love that. Ru- yeah. ru- routine. So I'm not gonna go deep into it right now, but I'm gonna tag it.
1: You should, in yeah, the des- 100%. In the, in
0: the description. I think morning, little, I am little, such a believer of
1: morning routines, including yeah. making my bed. It's, if I don't make my bed, it is on my mind for the entire hour. It's not made and I have to go mm-hmm. do it because that's a point of resistance for me
0: yeah, to awesome. move forward.
1: So that's my morning routine. And then I get into my day.
0: So what's next uh, for you, Jenny? I mean, you just gave us a little spoiler about the Netflix uh, project that you intend to pitch. What else?
1: Honestly, um, so my last show that I created, mm-hmm. I would say there are two stages. Actually, I realized this this year. I have two stages to every show, the body of work that I create. The first stage is how I feel. And I kept try to capture that on the canvas. The second part of it where the magic happens is what the piece feels and what it wants to, you know, what story it wants to unfold on its own. I never got to do that for the last show because it was rushed on my end. I ran out of time. And so I actually pulled the entire series from sales because I was unhappy with it within a week after the show. And so I'm going to rework that body of work. is going to be the first time I'm going to re-release a uh, body and I'm going to call it reworked mm-hmm. it was breathe the show and it's going to so that's one part the second is just the second body of work that I want to create it's called reset
0: Reset
1: because I've gone through a major life transition uh. and we talked about the darker period and dark periods while I'm going through it I can't really work on any creative pieces yeah like I cannot like it the purging happens for me afterwards on the until I've grieved a loss. And for me, reflecting upon it as a third person is such a beautiful thing. And so reset is all about that this major transition that I just went through.
0: And I think that's why a lot of people respond to your art because it's therapy. Oh, thank you. You know, for uh, folks. And I also don't want to forget you do a lot of charitable work and you donate, you know, all the time, all the all the time. And, you know, tell us a little bit about that. And why? Mm -hmm. Why is that important for you? as the person, but also why is that important for you as the artist?
1: Um, I think art, art is here to heal. And for me, if I'm not able to, because not everyone can afford art in general, not at the prices I charge also. I want it to be accessible and I want it to be accessible for people who really want to connect with the stories. And what better way to do that than to support the charities I so admire and love. Um, and while I cannot f- do physical work with them, This was one of my first entry points into, you know, contributing and giving back and really, and most of my work that you find with these charitable auctions, it's one of a kind. I don't, I really save those pieces for those Mm. charities, the prints that I sell on there and they are auctioned off. It's truly to allow that opportunity for collectors to capture, grab something at an affordable price.
0: That's incredible. And you're also donating Couple of pieces to my cousin yes, Mona's project. Uh,
1: which I love so project, much, I love make, that, yeah. Makeup
0: make uh, schol- scholarship. Which Pro, I love, program love, love, love. in, in yeah. east in east africa so, so you're not, happy to support so now you're gonna get fans in east africa too oh, in, in the i least. actually
1: have fans in like new zealand it's like wild all these people who message me
0: yeah travel. Brazil.
1: i have a very huge fan base in brazil that's it's, awesome yeah because one of my the flamenco mural went viral there yeah
0: yeah for sure i yeah. mean yeah especially dance right i mean yeah Brazilians. But I love
1: Flamenco. like i'm I wish i could flamenco dance maybe i'll okay. learn, learn that one <laughs> i literally like i want to move to spain to just learn <laughs>
0: all right so note to self we got to get you a gig in Braz- yes! Braz- Braz- brazil that would be amazing. Brazil. yes please <laughs> yeah i got you so question advice for young women that want to break into the world of sure. art
1: um it's not an easy world it's still a man's world believe mm. it or not mm-hmm. um the stats of women artists being successful are staggering. Like they're shocking how horrible they are. And so hopefully we can shift that, um, paradigm a little bit as female artists, more and more are coming out. Ladies go paint murals, get larger than life because that space is not for men alone. I love painting murals. My dream is to paint a 200 foot mural on the side of a huge building and I'm going to make it happen. Um, it's just don't say no to things that are ruled by men. The other thing is walk in with the conversation, owning it, have contracts in place, have connections in place, use your network, um, and reach out to artists who are successful, especially female artists, because I do that all the time. I grab coffee with artists all the time to really pick their brain. And not so much to steal their art or you know it's really to build that camaraderie and that connection because it's a lonely place to be an artist but building that community of artists and like-minded female artists you'll be surprised at how much they're willing to share and how they built their journey how they built their career
0: no absolutely so one of the biggest hack uh, yeah. when i was doing the mala events yeah. how many people i discovered that were artists yeah. that were working in corporate america but they didn't feel like they could pursue that yeah. at, at some point. Maybe there was, you know, expectations, you know, from the family yeah. to become a doctor, to become an, an attorney, you know, how, you know how the culture yeah. is, right? Yeah. Um, but those workshops, you know, that I would do, you know, people would say, oh, wow. And a lot of the things that I loved doing was open mic, you know, nights. So when you do open mic, you know, you can do anything any, any, any type of, any type of, you know, art. And you could just see, you know, how much it unlocks, you know, in, 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 in people just, 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 just through their eyes.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I, like, I, I have this dream of creating some kind of a show or a project with mm-hmm. women art, women artists in different disciplines. So an artist and uh, a poet, a writer, yeah. like I want to bring 10 different disciplines together and create something so magical that everybody's passion shines. And I think coming together and creating these like, um, cohorts of groups of people that can elevate each other's presence. I think it's a beautiful thing because it's not easy to share, share the stage,
0: No, which is why
1: for me, Mm -hmm. inviting other artists at my solo shows is really this, to always keep my ego in check to not fly too close to the sun is how <laughs> why I like to share the stage. And so that's my big dream to start some kind of a collective.
0: No, like. that's, that's really cool. So, um, advice, my advice for artists, yeah. um, always network with people that have nothing to do with what you do. I agree, you know, and Sean Michael Warren also says, you know, this, uh, this, the same thing. Um, and for me, even though, you know, I'm not necessarily, you know, an artist, but I do that because, um, if I, being in tech, if I get a client that's in healthcare, and I have n- no friends in healthcare, or if I n- know nothing about yeah. you know healthcare, I'm not going to be able to service you know that you know client. Agreed. You know, so I think that's one thing you know that I really push you know artists because you got to build a book of business. And, and I, only I also happens think it also keeps
1: you sharp to really understand businesses from multiple different disciplines. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I'm a very left and right brain person. I need both fuel, which is why I still have my tech business on the side. Um, I run right now run my brother's gym as a I started so as a favor. Busy. You're so busy. I am, but I also like it because I don't. If I didn't do that, I think art would become just a job, which I which is not what I started doing it for. And so I want to constantly keep art as that, that delight in art, for example.
0: Well, I think that is a great place to end today's podcast. I really appreciate you being on the podcast, uh, being a supporter and if you're up for it, would love to have you back on season three.
1: I would love that. You know, that I think what we need to talk about in that episode is really about this darkness, this attachment and this romanticizing this dark myth that uh, suffering and creativity go hand in hand. They do not. And I have very deep thoughts on that.
0: Hashtag Netflix, we coming. <laughs> All right.
1: Well, thank you. This was thank lovely. It
0: was, uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Tech in the Hood. It's an honor to have you along for this journey. And i hope you tune in next week. Tech in the Hood is recorded in Ravenswood at the Chicago podcast studio. If you want to hear more, You can help by leaving an honest review of Tech in the Hood wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow us on social media at Tech in the Hood.